Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to Acts chapter 9, if you would please. Acts and chapter number 9. Acts chapter 9. Our series title here in the book of Acts has been and is a church for His name. That's what I pray for our church, is that we might be, by His grace, a church for His name. So let's look down in uh, Acts chapter 9, and we'll read uh, here the conversion of Saul. Acts chapter 9 In verse number 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that he, if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth. And heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said unto him, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but but they led him by the hand and brought him unto Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord... Even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales and he received received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might uh, bring them bound unto the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. 
Tonight I'd like to preach uh, Sermon 18 here in our series in the book of Acts. And I've given it the title, Brother Ananias, Meet Brother Saul. Brother Ananias, Meet Brother Saul. May God bless the reading of his word. As you're seated, we'll get right into the message here tonight. If you grew up in church, the term brother comes pretty natural. It's just normal. If, uh, you're, if you were saved as an adult, it might be kind of weird at first. And I've heard kids say, is that really your brother? You know, have you heard that? Is that really your brother? All these? All these people, they're all your brother? Yes. <laughs> your sister? In fact, I, you know, um, I'm around church so much, and maybe you could relate with this as well, that I'm inclined to use the term brother in the secular world. You know, when you meet somebody, hey, brother, oh, wait a minute, I don't know if you are or not, you know. Just kind of gets, uh, we kind of get used to it, don't we? It's, uh, it's got a good, good ring to it. I like it. I like it. it. It does take some getting used to. There's a fellow back in Kentucky, a, a pastor. His last name was Brothers. You got it. Brother Brothers. Yep. Some of you might know him, Brother Brothers. My home pastor had quite a, a challenge in many ways to overcome as he went back to his home church. He obviously grew up there, and after Bible college, the church called him back to pastor, and he grew up with a nickname there at the church. Now, I cannot tell you what it is. I know what it is, but I, have, I just can't do it. I'm sworn to secrecy. And, but in any case, you might imagine going back to your home church, and now you used to call this young kid and teenager. Now you're supposed to call him pastor. You're supposed to call him Brother Carson, you know, and it just sounds funny. Brother Carson, there's some parents here. I've talked to some, even some here recently, that their son's in the ministry. Or, and now uh, you hear people call them brother so-and-so. And it just, it just doesn't even, you wonder, who are you talking about, you know? It just takes some time to get used to it. I'm sure that as Ananias introduced Saul for the first time, to those believers that were gathered together there in Damascus. And he said, I'd like to introduce you to Brother Saul. And they knew his history and they knew why he was coming to Damascus. You know, his reputation had preceded him. And even his plans and intents had preceded him. Evidently, Ananias knew why he was there. But I love, I love the words there that Ananias used. And as he touched him as well, and, and he said, Brother Saul. Brother Saul, now that would take some getting used to, but they did, except he, called, he changed his name to Paul, and it represented more than just a name change, it was a total radical life change. This greeting that we have here tonight that we're going to consider a little bit, it does, it represents a change, it represents a new relationship, a new relationship that has come that would be a permanent relationship. It represents a new future, a new purpose in a man's life. The Lord prompted Ananias to reach out to Saul. He wasn't inclined to. Did you hear it? No, wait a minute, Lord. I've heard about him. He wasn't inclined to reach out to Saul. But God moved him into a position of showing that kind of kindness to Saul. Where he would say, Brother Saul. I believe tonight that Southwest Baptist Church needs to be a church that reaches out to those in need. Yes. 
that reaches out to some brother Saul's, some people who maybe have a, have a history, have a background. And uh, every week really affords us that opportunity to go around and greet one another. I love before and after services, just the opportunity to fellowship and to greet. Uh, we, we need that. We need the preaching. We need the singing. We need all those things. But I, I'm convinced that we need the fellowship of the saints uh, right in the mix of all the other as well. And so uh, we're going to consider that tonight and maybe just a challenge that God might help us as he did Ananias that we'd reach out and say, brother, and extend a hand of fellowship. And that would be a tremendous help to no doubt many that would come and be a part of our services here. As we've seen here in the book of Acts, Luke is tracing the spread of the gospel, the rapid the rapid spread of the gospel, if you remember, it was obviously there contained basically within Jerusalem. But then on the day of Pentecost, even on that very day, it began to spread out because of individuals going back home to, to where uh, their homes were and such. And, and with that, they took the gospel. But as we followed the book of Acts and we see that, that Luke is writing to Theophilus to encourage him about the faith that is now his personal faith in Christ and his new life. And, and he's emphasizing to him that, that Theophilus, there is power in the gospel. He wrote the gospel, of course, of, that we know as the gospel of Luke to show Theophilus the, the power that's in the gospel itself. But then also here in the, in the book of Acts, he's showing just how quickly that the gospel spread because God had his power on it. And it spread out from Jerusalem and, and uh, Stephen took it to the, the Greek influenced Jews. And then from there, Philip, uh, the evangelist, as we know him, he took it to the Samaritans. And then also, as we saw last week, to an Ethiopian eunuch. And so the gospel is really just spreading like wildfire. And in a good way, it's just, it's getting wider and wider of a, of a coverage. Uh, and, and so more and more people are coming to Christ. And as we come to Acts chapter 9, we really do have a major transition here as as we're introduced to, of course, we've seen Saul, but now we see the conversion of Saul. In fact, this account is going to be uh, is going to be recorded two other times in the book of Acts, and thus it's a very significant uh, account as we have Paul's conversion, and thus it lays the groundwork because Paul will be the the apostle to the Gentiles. It lays the groundwork for that shift from just the Jews to now the world at large, as Jesus intended for that gospel message to go. But as we saw in Acts chapter 9 and verse number 1, Saul yet breathing out threatenings and, and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. He was going to bring them into Jerusalem. And, and he's going uh, on a six-day foot journey. If it were just walking, it would take about six days. I'm telling you, he's going to quite the great lengths to try to put an end to this message of the gospel as he's making his way to Damascus. It says in uh, these verses here that we've read that he wants to deal with those if any are found in this way, verse number two, any that are found in this way. He's talking about this new way, the Christian way. So Jesus, as we know, appears to Saul and as he's on his journey, a bright, Light. In fact, uh, the Bible makes it uh, clear in other passages that it was at noonday, at midday, and the, the light that was then shown to Saul was brighter than the sun. And Saul was brought low, literally. 
knocked off his high horse, we might say. You ever hear that terminology? He was knocked off his high horse. He was a self-righteous man. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a very religious man, but he was not a righteous man. There's a difference between being religious and being righteous. And this was a very religious man. He thought that he was doing God's will. Then a great light shone from heaven. Saul is knocked to the ground and and the voice sounds from heaven. The others heard the sound but did not discern the voice and understand what what was said to Saul. But the words came to Saul. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, Jesus was speaking, but he was speaking on behalf of his church because when you persecute the church, you're persecuting the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's indicating as such. And, and so Saul is now responding and he says, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. The pricks would have been like the goads that, that an animal, as you would lead an animal a certain direction, you could take the goad and, and lead it that way. And sometimes an animal maybe would try to kick against that, but it's only going to be to his own hurt. And so the Lord is saying to Saul, you know, you can try to kick against what's right, but it's only going to be to your own hurt. You know, that's still true today as well, isn't it? That when you try to kick against that which is right or getting your way against the Lord, you're only going to face defeat. And then the Lord uh, tells him to go there into Damascus and it would be shown him what to do. I love the words of Saul as he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou shalt do. In verse number 6. And so the men were speechless. They heard the sound and, and understood that something significant took place. But they didn't understand all the significance of it, but, but Saul certainly did. In fact, the focus really here, we, we won't take time to look at all these verses... But if you look uh, at what Ananias said, that brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, in verse number 17, even he has appeared unto thee... Look over at verse number 27 of the same chapter, chapter 9 and verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto him how he had seen the Lord in the way. And if you read on, and we again, we won't take time to do so, but if you look in chapter 22 and you look in chapter 26, every time Saul, or as we would come to know him as Paul, every time he would relate the story, he would make the, the emphasis on this point. I saw the Lord. The resurrected Jesus. I saw the risen Savior. In fact, when he would write to the, Cor- uh, to the Corinthians, he would ask them the question, I, am I not an apostle? Have I not seen the Lord? And in, uh, ch- that's in chapter 9 and chapter number 15. He s- talks and uh, speaks to them in, in terms of how many saw the Lord resurrected. And then last of all, he says, he was seen of me who is the least of all the apostles. And I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. Paul did not feel worthy of the position that God gave him, but he was compelled to preach because he saw the risen Lord Jesus Christ. That's very significant because the last person on earth that perhaps we would think that the Lord would manifest himself to would be the likes of Saul, but that's exactly who the Lord showed himself to. And so the Lord appeared to Ananias, uh, to Saul rather, on the road to Damascus. And then he appears. See, you have God working all these events out. 
He works out the meeting with Saul there on the Damascus road, but at the same time, he meets with, with Ananias and saying to Ananias, Ananias, I've got somebody that I want you to, to disciple. I have somebody that I want you to work with. And he says, I want you to deal with Saul. He says, wait, <laughs> wait a minute, Lord. I've heard what he's done in Jerusalem. And I know why he's coming to Damascus. He's not on a, just a leisurely trip here, Lord. But little did Ananias realize how God had changed his life. Saul, the persecutor, would become Saul, the preacher. Saul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, the one who is legalistic, truly legalistic, would become the preacher of the grace of God. Saul, the Hebrew of Hebrews, would become the apostle to the Gentiles. Saul, I like this, the, as one individual put it, Saul, who came to make an arrest and several arrests, was arrested himself as God arrested him. And he would, he would say as much in uh, Philippians now that he was apprehended. He was arrested. His attention was arrested by God. Saul, the self-righteous, Saul, the religious man, became Saul, the justified man, the righteous man before God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ananias did not realize what great change had come to Saul's life. The proof of the change came after Ananias appeared to Saul. Let's pick up the reading once again. And, and God tells Ananias that he's a chosen vessel unto me. He's going to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings in verse number 15 and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Listen, the one who caused them to suffer, the persecutor, became the preacher who himself would be greatly persecuted and would greatly suffer. And the Lord said, I want to show him what great things he would suffer for my namesake. Verse 17 says, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him. Would you imagine with me tonight that there would be a little bit of apprehension on the part of Ananias? Is this for real? Can I trust that, uh, that there's been a true salvation here in Saul? And as he enters into the house, of course, Saul is, is still blind. He's not able to see. He's, he's been this way for three days. You know, God has a way of causing you just to do some reflection for a little while. And he took his eyesight, and Saul's not eating, he's not drinking. And so he's really in a time of, of just, I believe, just reflection, reflection of what he had just seen and, and what had just transpired in his life. And Ananias walks into that room, however it was set up, and he reached out and knowing the danger, he touched him and said these words, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And then the Bible says in verse 18 that immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Then it goes on in verse number 19. And, he was, and after when he had received meat and was strengthened, then Saul was certain days with the disciples. Do you see that? Look at it in verse number 19. He was with the disciples. Here is one who came to arrest the disciples, but now he is with the disciples. Here is one who came to try to stamp out the preaching of Christ, 
But now as we uh, continue reading and could, straightway he preached in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. That's quite a change, my friend, to go from one who was trying to end the message to one who's proclaiming the message. The zealous persecutor became the zealous witness. It's a blessing. And then it says in verse number 22, as he increased more the more in strength, he confounded the Jews which were at Damascus, proving, and I love the word there, proving, the word itself means this, to put together. He's putting these things together. He's taking the Old Testament and he's taking the message of the gospel and he's putting them together and he's convincing them and he's showing them and disputing with them that this is the very Messiah. This is the very Christ. It's quite a salvation testimony. I submit to you tonight that Saul needed a friend. Saul needed a friend. He needed a friend to help him in his new life with Christ. Why did he need a friend? Well, think about it. He needed a friend because of the guilt of his past. I mean, as you keep reading the writings of Paul, many times he's going to say, I persecuted the church. I'm not worthy. I'm telling you, what he did in the past bothered him. It troubled him. Now, he understood justification. He understood redemption. He preached about it. He wrote Romans. So he understood that. But at this point in time, no doubt in his life, he desperately, he needed a friend. And by the way, God knew he needed a friend. And that's why I said to Ananias, Ananias, I want you to be a friend to him. He needed a friend because of his past. He needed a friend because of his present situation. He, he didn't know what was coming up. He, he was, of course, he needed individuals, even literally, to guide him and to lead him in, in what to do. He needed a, a friend there that could, that could show him the way, but, but not just physically show him the way, but now as he would receive his eyesight once again and, and, and have that back, he still, he not only needed forgiveness, which he received from the Lord, but he also needed this. He needed direction as a, as a new believer. And then the Lord said, he's going to face certain things, Ananias. There's certain things that he's going to undergo for my namesake. There's going to be some suffering that he's going to undergo for my namesake. And, and thus he's going to need some strength. He's going to need some encouragement. He's going to need some courage as he faces these things. I'm telling you tonight, Paul, as we know him, Saul, needed a godly friend. He needed a friend. And thus God used a man named Ananias to be a friend to Saul. He helped Saul to recognize God's forgiveness in his life. He gave him direction as to what God wanted him to do, to do next. And he encouraged him and helped him and he brought him into the fellowship of the saints. Now tonight, your story my story is quite a bit different than Saul's in many ways. I acknowledge that. But you know the truth is this. Really it's not much different because we all needed forgiveness. Everybody in here tonight was at one time in need of God's salvation, God's forgiveness. Saul needed forgiveness. You needed forgiveness. Like Saul, I'm sure you would agree with this, in your present situation, you need direction. You need guidance. And like Saul, for the future, not knowing what is coming our way, there's going to be times when you need strength and courage. I'm glad to tell you tonight, the Lord 
is a friend to those in need. He can forgive you of your past completely. Completely forgive you of your past. Hey, I'm so thankful tonight to know that the Lord Jesus Christ associated with sinners. He did not participate in their sin, but he was a friend to sinners. And he could forgive them of their past sin. And he could provide and does provide direction for present circumstances of life that are beyond our understanding. He can guide us. And thank God for this. To this day, just as he did in Saul's life, to this day, he provides strength and he provides encouragement. He provides courage to face whatever it is that's coming in the future. I'm telling you, my friend, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be the best friend that you've ever had and is the best friend that we've ever had. But in addition to that, the way that he manifests himself to us is through friends, is through fellow church members, is through people who come to you and say, hello, brother so-and-so, or hello, miss so-and-so, or sister so-and-so. There's people who come through the doors of Southwest Baptist Church who need a friend. People who have been or are struggling with how they lived in their past. And there are things that haunt them. And things that they wish they could change. Things that they wish they could, that they could forget. You know what they need? You. You're an Ananias. You're an individual who God might just move you right in the position to be a friend to them. You're probably going to have some friends that need some direction in life. You could be an Ananias. You're probably going to have some folks who don't know exactly what is ahead of them. What God wants us to do, church, I really believe, is he wants us to take a very aggressive approach to being a friend to people. Being a friend to sinners. Being a friend to one another. To reach out. Not to bypass people, but to seek out people. To reach out to people. Why Why would Ananias, why should he reach out to Saul? Here's why. God had already reached out to him. God had already reached out to him and was reaching out to him. So the reason today, if that's how it was then, that's how it is now. The reason why we ought to reach out to some brother Saul's is because God's already reached out to him by the cross. And by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you tonight, we serve a living Savior who can save anybody, praise His holy name. That's a blessing. And that He cares about every single individual that comes through these doors, regardless of their past and regardless of their present situation and regardless of what their future might hold. He cares about every single individual and what these individuals need as they come here week by week as they come. They need somebody who will be a friend to them. And you are the chosen vessel to help some chosen vessels. Hey, listen, sometimes when you reach out to people, you don't even have an idea who it is that you're reaching out to. Just like Ananias had no idea just all that God was going to do, although God revealed it to him that he's a chosen vessel unto me. But, but maybe he didn't have any idea just how great God was going to use him. I would imagine that many uh, Sunday school teachers along the way and moms and dads, as they reached out to somebody that was in need, you had no idea how God might use that person. But, and that's the point. 
point, we just need to reach out and leave the rest to God. Be a friend to those in need. Help those that are struggling with their past. Help those that are in, in need of direction here in their future. I'm sorry, in their, in their present set of circumstances and as they face an uncertain future. We need to reach out as a church because God's already reached out to us and has shown us forgiveness and has given us direction and is helping us face our future. And thus, let's be an extension of what God's already done in our lives. And what's it going to take to do that? Well, it's just going to take us being aware, number one, that there's people all about us. You know how it is. We can come in and just kind of get with our friends and talk to people that we already know. But let me challenge you again. And I know I've challenged you this way before, but I believe it, it can't be overemphasized how that we really need to be on the, on the lookout for new people. For somebody that's sitting by themselves. For somebody that doesn't have somebody that's talking to them, maybe in the foyer, maybe after church. And, and I realize you're going to catch up with your friends, and that's, and that's wonderful, and family, and such. That's, that's just fine. But let's be mindful. Let's look around and seek out somebody that's alone. And be an Ananias to them. And reach out to them and care about them. You know, this week affords us the opportunity. This week, as we have here tonight, we have some brother pastors and brother missionaries and sister missionaries, and brother evangelists, and brother brothers, that'll be here. What should we do? Well, what we ought to do is extend a hand of warm welcome. Sure glad you're here. I know you made a big effort to get here, and I pray, we're praying for you. We've been praying for you. Trust that the whole meeting will be a real blessing to you as they come on Wednesday night. I realize you may not be able to, to make other of the meetings there on Monday night and Tuesday and so forth. But on Wednesday night, let's do this church. Let's just all be here and, 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 and help and encourage people as they come in and help them find their way to the nursery or help them find a seat and, and let them sit with you and reach out a hand and welcome them and, and, and just be extra friendly to them. Listen, that ought to just be the way that we do it anyways, all the time, all the time. That can make such a huge difference in people's lives as they come and they say, you know, this is really a friendly church. And, and if that happens the first time, that's wonderful. But if they come back and it happens again, then they're going to say, you know, this thing's legitimate. These people really love the Lord. These people really believe that the Lord is alive. These people really have a relationship with him. These people really care about me. May God help us to do that, to really genuinely care about people. You know, there's a brother new Christian here. There's a brother new Christian or a sister new Christian who didn't grow up in church maybe like you did. You know what they need you to do? As God maybe moves you into their direction is to, for you to reach out a hand and say, Brother so-and-so, could I meet with you a few times and maybe help you a little bit? A brother new member. A brother new member. How long are you a new member at Southwest Baptist Church until you're an old member? I have no idea how long that is. But, you know, it takes a little while sometimes for people to get acclimated and get, get in. Are you with me? Now, now, here's what we need to think about. It shouldn't take them long to get in. Did you see how quickly Saul was with the disciples? So people who come here and they join the church, it shouldn't be months and years that they still feel like an outsider. Here's the danger of a church that's been around for a good while. It can be that we just kind of get used to who's here and anybody that's trying to get in can have a hard time trying to find a way in. Unless somebody says, hey, come on in. 
And it can't just be one or two or three or four. It's got to be a whole church saying, we're very glad you're here and want to welcome you, want to help you get involved in ministry and, and get into whatever ministry it is. It blesses my heart to look up in the choir and see new members up there and, and to see an instrumentalists playing and different people involved and people in, involved in greeting and, and uh, bus ministry and all these various ministries. Hey, listen, you can be an Ananias that helps somebody getting past their past and get involved in the present because you never know what God might do in their future. A brother new member or a brother new class member in our Sunday school classes. Let's make sure we help people to feel very welcome. You know, a lot of times folks are going to come. They're going to be quite a bit different than you. Yep. And that's a blessing. Yep. That's a blessing. And, and sometimes, though, people are going to come and they maybe haven't been in church and they don't know how to act in church. That's going to be the case. You know what they need? A brother Ananias. Or a sister that will help them and kind of guide them through the process. How about as we come to promotion? And we have um, young people coming into the youth group. Or young people going into the senior high. There's going to be some brother freshmen. And some young ladies that are coming into the ninth grade. As a church and as a youth group you can't begin chanting, go home freshman. It just shouldn't be at church. That's for sure. Be welcoming. Be welcoming. But you know, in many ways, where it really becomes challenging is when there's an individual that has a reputation. The Lord might call on us to be brothers and sisters to a former drug addict. Now, we wouldn't refer to him as brother drug addict. We should not. But you know, it was brother Saul, wasn't it, for a while? That, word, that name Saul had a stigma to it. And there's certain people, maybe they're, you know, in a city this size, sometimes you don't know, but sometimes you do. You might know a person's past, but don't let their past keep them from the future that God wants to work in their lives. Maybe some who've been given to sexual sin. Maybe some who've been given to homosexuality. Maybe some who've been given to drink. Some who've been given to gambling. Some who have been given to dishonesty. But I'm glad tonight there's hope for those individuals. And it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And once they meet Jesus, then we can meet them and say, Hello, brother. Hello, sister. And love them. And help them come along. I'll never forget the testimony of Brother Jim Dellismith. Some of you maybe know or recognize that name. He preached revivals when I was a child and teenager. But he referred to his testimony as this, from dope to hope. From dope to hope. He was a president of a Hell's Angels. and I mean, just a rough individual. And if I remember how he came to Christ, he had a godly mom. He just kind of kept after him about coming to church. He was so proud and had his bike all chopped out. And 
said he would drive past downtown areas where it had kind of the big window areas just so he could look over and see himself. One day, I forget the actual day that it was, but he agreed because out of honor and love for his mom, he agreed to come to a church service. And in that church service, God knocked him off his high horse and dealt with him about his sin and saved his soul. And a hell's angel member became a heaven's messenger as he traveled across the country and preached salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad somebody said to him, hello, Brother Jim, and helped him come along. And when he was saved that day, I'm sure people, as he began to tell a story, hey, I'm no longer riding, I'm no longer with that, uh, my life's been changed, I'm a Christian now. They said, you? Can you imagine? No way. Well, maybe some of you have been through that. No way. You've come to Christ? Yeah, how long will that last? You know they're going to get that type of stuff. How long is that going to last? You know what they need when they get those discouraging words? They need to hear, hello, brother so-and-so, hello, sister so-and-so, and hear it several times. That's why you, as a new believer, can I just encourage you here, or a new member, listen, even though it may get a little challenging along the way and difficult to, to go ahead and keep faithful to Christ, listen, you just need to be in church every single opportunity that you have and so that you can be around other people who love the Lord and, and be around other godly influences and people who have a similar mentality that, that, that know the Bible because when you're out there in the world, it can get discouraging and it can get confusing and you can get disheartened and then you maybe give in to sin and you get discouraged and you think, what's the use? I, I'm not going to make it. Listen, we want to call your brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and not give up on you because if God has reached out to you and you've been saved, then listen, as a church family, we're just an extension of that. And God loves you, my friend, and he's not giving up on you. We don't want to give up on you because he's not giving up on you. And we, there's no telling what God might do through your life to take you from a place of confusion to a place of great usefulness. So as a church family, may God help us tonight to be of, a, of an Ananias spirit that we might be reluctant at first, but Lord, wait a minute. You know, if we have those people come into the church, it's going to change the church. Lord, if we have these individuals come in, it, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. Yes, he knows that. But listen, the only hope they have is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The, o the only help they have is in some godly friends. They're, the world is full of friends that will mess their lives up if they allow them to. They need some godly friends, some godly influences. And no, they're not going to get it all right every, every time. And no, they may not know how to act in church and, and, and how to dress or how to talk or may let things slip. I, all these things. Listen, they've had it maybe even a lifetime of living in sin. They need some brother. Ananiases that'll say, listen, brother so-and-so, I want to be with you and be a help to you. We can't condone your sin. We're not going to do that, but we love you because God loves you. That'll make a major difference in a person's life. Father, we come to you tonight in Jesus' name, realizing that there are people who are here this morning. If we want to think in terms of application, there are some people that were here this morning who by all appearances, not just the way they were dressed, but how that they are living their lives, maybe in the home life or their speech or, or their addictions, God, things that we can see, the fruit of their life, but not just that, 
but also the the hidden things of the heart, the bitterness, the anger, the the resentment, all those things, the lust that is hidden. God, all those things, they certainly need to be saved. We pray for those that came today that are not saved, that they might be saved, maybe some tonight even. But God, I pray that you'd give us that spirit of an Ananias, that reach out a hand and welcome a new brother or sister in Christ. Lord, would you give us all that spirit, that mentality to be friendly, not because it's our nature, it may not be someone's just inclination or propensity to be outgoing, but Lord, because of who you are, we want to reach out to them because of their need for you. And so God, I pray you'd help us tonight as a church to be welcoming to the lives of those in whom you've done a great and mighty work. Thank you for salvation, for justification and redemption. Thank you, God, for changing our lives, for saving our souls. Now help us to be involved in the, in the effort of personal soul winning and discipleship. In Jesus' name, amen.